But I, I'm just blown away this morning as we worship God together, just how much Jesus has done for us and who Jesus is. I love that passage that Nigel read out. You know, how much love he's lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And today is Adoption Sunday. And uh, we want to mark this. I think we want to do this perhaps on a yearly basis to sort of say, you know, how wonderful it is that we are adopted, spiritually adopted, into God's family. We have been adopted as people who believe in Jesus into his family. And today we're also going to hear about the practical side of adoption and fostering and the needs that there are even in this nation alone for those children who need care, who need a place that they can call home. We all need a place that we can call home. And we'll hear a bit later from Katie and Stuart who are going to come up and share some of their story. So I'm just going to spend a few moments, and not very long, but just really to talk a bit about what it means to be adopted into God's family, what it means to be spiritually adopted. Max Licardo once said, God has adopted you. God has sought you, he's found you, and he signed the papers and took you home. Mark Stibbe once argued that the doctrine of adoption is one of the lost doctrines of God. It's a doctrine that needs to be rediscovered in order for us to really become the true children of God that we're called to be. You know, I'm picking the truth behind what it means to be adopted into God's family is delving into the heart of the gospel itself, the good news that Jesus has come. In truth, God's love towards us is immeasurably more than we could imagine. You know, if there's anything about the characteristics of God which really impacts me, it's his love. It's his love for his children, for his church. It's his love for people. The concept of adoption speaks of a love demonstrated that accepts, accepts no matter what, that desires, that seeks after, even if it's refused. It's a love that just goes beyond anything that you can imagine. Adoption, that concept of adoption is a, a wanting and an acceptance that is experienced as well as known. It's experienced. You know, we experience that sense that God has adopted us. He's bought us and at a price, but we are now his own. We're his children. You know, that concept that, that God would want me in his kingdom. I mean, that's a, an amazing thing, even in itself. That concept that God would want me 
the perfect God, the God of all creation, the God that created, that is a powerful and mighty living God that we know, we read about, we teach about from the Bible, that this God would want me, that he accepts me. And that's the concept of adoption, that he's adopted me in his family. And you know, the moment that you make a decision to follow Jesus, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is the moment that you are adopted into his family. It's the moment, if you like, those papers are signed. The moment that you've received a perfect heavenly father who's good, caring, he's safe, and he's faithful. We have a father God who is faithful. And I just want to wonder this morning, just um, for you to think about, what's your view of God? We talk about this as, as, as a church, we teach about this, we preach about this, about actually God is a loving Father. But it might be in practice, at work, that you might think of God as a stern judge, someone who wields their power to get their own way. Someone that fires their orders at us and uh, when they feel like it. Or you might know God. You might be here this morning and you know God as a loving father. A father that gently beckons you to come. That calls you by name. That calls you close. That asks you questions. That asks what you think about things. A God, the Father, that tells you what's on his heart. Or even ask you things that are on your heart. What are you thinking about? What's important to you? God is a loving Father. He's adopted us as his sons or daughters. This is a relationship that's intimate, individual, and specific to each one of us. It's specific. He wants to know your thoughts, your heart. And it's very individual. It's an intimate relationship that he wants to share with each and every one of us. And I think that this is the root of our understanding of our spiritual adoption into God's family. And you know, if you're here today... And you don't know that relationship with Father God, then I'd encourage you to make that decision to know it. And the way that you know it is by believing in Jesus, is by making a decision to accept that actually He is the way to know this wonderful Father, that Jesus is the way to know. Him, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that they might be wiped clean for all eternity. And as believing in Jesus, you can know that relationship. Now, I just want to unpick in, the, in just five minutes, that's all I've given myself to do this, three things of what it means to be adopted, to be spiritually adopted into God's family. And in true preaching tradition, I have come up with three 
Fs to help us remember three important key points about what it means to be spiritually adopted. And the first one is freedom. We have received freedom. As we heard about, as Steve read about in Galatians earlier, we are no longer slaves, but we are free. It says in uh, Galatians 4 verse 5, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Just to make a clear distinction here of what Paul was making in this particular verse. We are either slaves to the law or we have been freed from this slavery. We're either slaves to the law or we have been freed. And in verse 5, it says that Jesus has bought us this freedom. It's Jesus dying on the cross, rising from the dead, is the freedom that was bought for us that we no longer need to be slaves to the law. A slave does as he's told. A slave has no rights of their own. If you're a slave, you just get on and do it. You have no choice. When a person sees God as a hard taskmaster, taskmaster, I knew I'd make a mistake with that. I'm not even going to try and say it again. They're a slave to the law. When a person sees God as a punitive slave driver, they're a slave to the law. I thought I'd get that one wrong. When a person does not recognize that they do not need to earn God's acceptance, that God's acceptance is a gift through Christ, they're a slave to the law. When a person fears a distant God, a hard taskmaster, they're in a state of misery, not joy. They're in a state of insecurity, not security. There will be a temptation to live out their Christian life with a spirituality of religion, not relationship. There will be a temptation to live out of law, not of grace. Jesus has set us free from that. God sent Jesus to buy our freedom from this way of thinking. In coming to Christ and believing that God sent him to bring us this freedom, we cease to see God as an angry judge, but rather view him as a loving father. We are officially adopted as his children. Isn't that wonderful? And that's the truth. The second F <laughs> is actually an I. But, I, is there <laughs> but it's the closest word which I found that links to this word, which is an I. And the word is inheritance. But I thought of the word fortune. And fortune can have a little bit of a negative connotation. But I want us to use fortune in a positive light because our inheritance, so our fortune, okay, has been bought at a price, but it's what it means. We have a fortune now that we are adopted as God's children. We have an absolute fortune. We have an, the Bible uses the word inheritance, and it's a much wonderful, more broader term to use. But we have an absolute fortune. 
And it talks about it in the verse that we heard earlier, Galatians 4. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. It's like we've inherited the whole estate. It's like we've become adopted as children, and because we've been adopted, we are now inheritors of all the things that God has for us. Galatians 3, again, what Steve read. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we've inherited promises that God has spoken over each one of us. There are promises yet to be realized in your lives that God would like to give you as a gift, as an inheritance, that he wants you to walk in today, tomorrow, next week. Do you know that? Are you walking in the promises that God has for you? Are you walking in the inheritance that God has to you? As an adopted child of God, you have an inheritance which you can live in today. You don't have to wait. In fact, someone has died. Jesus has died. But he's risen again. And he's given you, God our Father has given you an inheritance. Which you can know and live in today. A wonderful inheritance. A rich inheritance. So we've received his promises, we've received his blessings, but we've received more than that because we've received, in fact, the whole of God himself. He gives himself, he gave himself, he gave himself on the cross that we might enjoy and be those who inherit all that God has for us. You know, adoption was a, a practice um, developed by the Romans for families who wanted a son, but they couldn't. And so they'd adopt a slave, uh, slave son, sorry, um, and they'd be willing to pay for have, to have a son that can inherit the estate that the Roman family would have. And so what it subsequently meant is that um, these children, these children who were uh, children of slaves, um, would now not only be free but they would also inherit everything of that Roman family. And you know, the same is true for us. We inherit everything. God gives us everything. He's a generous God that we believe in, that we follow. He has so much for us. We can enjoy him in a way that isn't possible if we didn't know him through Christ. We can talk to him and have Dialogue with him in a way that we couldn't have if we didn't know him through Christ. You know, we have a heavenly father that is, it's, it's, that is so amazing and so wonderful that it's like if you were in the playground, you know, you could say to your friends or, you know, I can get my, my dad. You know, do you know who my dad is? You know, what an awesome thing to be able to say, do you know my dad is the, is the God of all creation. Isn't that wonderful to say that? Because that's what he is. And he's adopted us as his children. And finally, the last thing is family. So freedom. We're adopted as God's children. We've got freedom. We, are, we have a fortune. And we are part of a family. We have a new family. A new group of people 
who are also adopted like us. Every one of us has been adopted. You know, we're all orphans, but now we're adopted into God's family. You know, Noah, my son, really loves the film Annie. You know, and it's a wonderful film. I've seen this girl come into this family. And, you know, I still, when I watch it, I still get quite emotional. And then actually, it led me to think about another great film, Oliver. A boy who was on the streets. You know, it's wonderful to see these great films and these productions, West End, about people that are adopted into a family. Actually, I can't remember the end of Oliver. I didn't think about what happened at the end of that one. Is it a good ending? Is for Oliver good? Well, that's that's the, that's the important point. <laughs> we are joined with others, so we can enjoy what it means to be adopted children of God. We are all welcome. You know, God welcomes every single human being into this wonderful family. All the people that trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ, as we experience His love and grace through each other. Being family is an important part of what it means to be adopted. I'm sure that Katie and Stuart will allude to that and talk about that in a moment. But we, we aren't just adopted into God, we're adopted into a family. You know, from the oldest to the youngest, from the tallest to the shortest, from the weakest to the strongest, from the funniest to the most serious. We're all part, we believe in Jesus, of God's family. Called to love, accept and value each other as God our Father has loved and accepted us. And I just want to finish with this one quote from Jim Packer. And he says this, What is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways. Theologically, relationally, But the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who is God as father. In other words, we are designed to live in a family. Our highest privilege and deepest need is to experience the holy God as our loving father, to approach him without fear, and to be assured of his fatherly care and concern. There we are, my three Fs. Go away and ponder those over your Sunday lunch. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going to invite Katie and Stuart to come up. And they're going to tell us a bit about their So Yeah, let's welcome them up here. Absolutely. And most of you know Katie and Stuart. And they've been fostering now for a little while, haven't you? And um, they're just going to tell you a bit about their story and talk about some of the needs. We're obviously home for good. FAM uh, is a charity, is a church we support. And they're just going to talk about from their perspective, where they come. And then we're going to, at the end of that, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray in some groups. We're going to pray for all the things that we want to see God do across uh, this nation, but also for us as a church. And so, yeah, over to you, Katie. Thank you. This one? Yeah. Excellent. Um, Yeah, thank you very much, Rob. Um, As you said, today we're going to share our testimony. And this is not just about becoming foster carers, um, but also about how God has really worked in our hearts and massively increased our faith to do so. 
Um, For me, this story goes way back to before we were married, right when I became a Christian at the age of 18 and I had just started university. Now, starting uni is quite a daunting time, and I'd only just become a Christian, so I was like, oh my word, I felt, I felt like I was going to be the outsider, the weirdo. But no, when I found my church, I was so loved and accepted. It was incredible to be part of God's family. I was so excited to be loved and accepted. And this family, where just forgiveness, kindness, and joy were shown to me by people who would have otherwise been complete strangers. But there was that acceptance, and it was amazing. Um, During this time, I particularly loved reading and studying the book of Ruth. I'm sure many of you know Ruth was a Moabite. Um, But she married into an Israelite family, people of God. Um, But soon after, her husband died, leaving her childless. But what did she do? Did she return back to her old ways, to her old people? No. She stayed with her mother-in-law, Naomi. She even declared faith in Naomi's God the God of Israel. Now, many, many of God's people might have shunned Ruth as she was a Moabite, but not Naomi, who loved her as her daughter and really demonstrated the family of God to her. So Ruth, this outsider, was welcomed and embraced into God's family, but God's blessings didn't stop there. The thing that amazes me most is that Ruth had the privilege of being King David's great-grandmother, Just hang on to that thought for a moment. I think that's incredible. Um, Ruth was even included in Jesus' family lineage in Matthew chapter 1. What an honour. These lists of fathers and sons and fathers and sons, they're all male. That's generally how it's done. But she was one of the three or four women, I think, actually included. What an honour. But she was a Moabite. But no, she was a child of God. Um, And this spoke volumes to me about how there was absolutely no one beyond God's love And he calls people from every single walk of life to be a part of his family. Um, And at the time, I felt like Ruth. I felt amazingly blessed to be what I thought was an outsider, but to be completely embraced into the family of God. And at that time, God was already speaking to me about one day that we would be opening up our home and welcoming others into the family of God, much more just like Naomi did to Ruth. Stuart's turn. Okay, so for my part, um, I grew up in a Christian family, um, so I've always known and, and been able to experience uh, that love of God in action around me. Um, I still remember my dad, uh, when he set up a business, he put as his business motto uh, the verse uh, from Mark chapter 10, verse 14, which is, let the little children come to me, um, which probably opened up a few odd conversations when he was working. And I also remember um, my parents opened up their home and we had with strangers would just uh, be sleeping on our couch for a day or a couple of weeks at a time. Um, so really for both of us, um, we, we had a heart and we still have a heart really for that open homeness um, to have somewhere that uh, people are welcome and we want to be able to do that. So we've done, we've done that as we were married. Um, we've hosted dinners, uh, we've led small groups, uh, we've done some pastoral care and supported friends and family. But I think it's clear that what God was doing through that was getting us ready, uh, preparing us for what, we'd, for what we do now, uh, for being foster carers. Um, we actually, God spoke to both of us about um, not getting settled where we were living. We were living up in Coventry uh, when we got married. And you know, sometimes um, God can be really, really specific as well. Um, so 
uh, whilst I was up there, in, when I was at university, I had to look for a place to stay. Um, so I ended up living with two guys from the church that I'd never even met. Uh, I met one of them literally as we got on the bus to go and sign the contracts. Uh, but he turned out to be a, a great friend, um, a really close friend, uh, and he was a social worker, and he was working with uh, children as they leave care and try and settle into adult life. And uh, he was absolutely unashamedly about uh, talking to me and Katie about how great it would be as, uh, to be foster carers, and just really putting that thought in our, in our heads. And so we did, we would talk about it, um, we would share what God was sp- uh, speaking to both of us. Um, Katie had an opportunity, we went to the Catalyst Festival, which is a bit like Ashburnham, but up in the Midlands, uh, it goes over um, Stoneley, uh, and she went to a, a Home for Good seminar that they had there, um, and it was there really that uh, God really broke in, and the way we put it is that God turned, if we foster, into when we foster, it, was really, uh, it really opened up a passion for both of us. Uh, to, to do what we could uh, to help these children. Um, we've always, I think, uh, some of you know, if you know us, we've always lived life as if it's an adventure. Um, I think God's had a lot of fun with us through doing that. Um, there's a verse that comes to mind, uh, which is in James uh, chapter 1, verse 27. And it talks about um, putting love into action by caring for orphans and widows. Um, and I don't think James was being figurative when he said that. I think, uh, certainly for us, it's a very literal verse to care for orphans and widows. Um, now, orphan might not be a word that we use very much nowadays. It doesn't, doesn't just mean a child that, uh, whose parents uh, might have died in an accident or something like that. Um, nowadays, we might, might have other terms. So we might say children who may have um, been abandoned, children that may have been abused, children that may have been... Um, uh, neglected, okay, or parents that aren't able to care for their children through illness. Okay, there's lots of lots of different reasons for why children end up in care. And for certainly for us, uh, and maybe uh, for many of you, like it's really hard to, to to see that and not want to get stuck in. I think if all of us had the ability or the opportunity uh, to look after children who need that sort of love and attention. Um, then we would do so if we could. So from Coventry, God called us to move to London, um, and he was definitely uh, in, in that. He, he made that happen completely. Um, he spoke to Katie, this is uh, in 2014, he spoke to Katie very specifically. He said, you're going to be living in London before Christmas 2015. And at the time, it was like, well, that's a really long way away, um, a very specific word, but... Um, we'll see what happens and then we got here and, and then we had Christmas and it was 2015 um, God, God really made it mo- um, so how we came to Sutton uh, the process of what going through to, to become foster carers God as I said had been definitely in that so I'll let Katie sort of explain some of that so <laughs> when we first knew God was calling us to London we actually had no idea where specifically he wanted us to be. We prayed, of course, and prayed and prayed. Um, But there was no gut feeling, no vision, no dreams, no words of knowledge, no writing in the sky. Um, And to be quite honest, Sutton ended up being our logical choice. 
But that's okay, because God works through that too. <laughs> and we took into account Stuart's work and family and how close we were to visit and things like that. And eventually, um, it just made sense. So we came to visit. And thankfully, as soon as we visited, we knew this was it. This is where God wanted us to be. We actually only visited the church once uh, the summer before we moved. And this is where we met Joe and Vanessa. Are they here? Oh, no, they're not here today. Um, and we actually ended up going for lunch with them after the service. We went for lunch in Sutton. Um, and I don't think they realised just how pivotal that afternoon was for us. Um, partly in, in feeling welcome to the church, of course, but also in then practically demonstrating God's love and family to us. We realised right then that you guys aren't just a bunch of people saved by the grace of God into his family. No, you were all those things and being family. There's one thing, being part of the family, but also living it out. And we really felt that um, from everyone here, so thank you. <laughs> um, there's much more I could say here about the trials of us finding our house, the craziness of move and everything. But at every single step, we were surrounded by God's people demonstrating God's love. In the cleaning and loading at one end, to the unpacking and meals at this end. And we cannot thank everyone enough, and thank God. Um, yeah, so... It was exactly two years ago this weekend we rocked up at what was Sutton Family Church, now River Church, obviously. Um, yeah, we were full of dreams and expectations of becoming foster carers. We were uncertain of how involved we could be with church due to the, commi due to the commitments we anticipated with being carers. But all the same, that very same week, we registered our interest with the council and we got the ball rolling straight away. Now, what followed were months, and I mean actual months, of form-filling, grilling interrogations, <laughs> copious typing up of notes, things about our childhood, our family histories, our past relationships, absolutely anything and everything significant to us that has influenced us in some way, influenced our ability to love, to form attachments, to communicate, and so on. It was grilling. It was pretty nitty-gritty. And it was through this incredibly... In intensive process, we started to feel pretty shattered by the spiritual battle that we felt we were facing. And we found we came up against three particular hurdles. Now, I've just noticed two out of my three are Fs. So I'm wondering whether to try and alter the third one. <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> um, so firstly, the obvious one is our faith. Um, if we were Christians, how could we prove that we would be accommodating to children of other beliefs and backgrounds? How do they know we're not going to enforce our religion on others? And how can we accommodate a young person um, who's questioning their sexuality without condemning them or trying to sway them or push them in any way? So that was our first one. We were facing all these big hypothetical questions on actually demonstrating um, care and love to them. And the second one, not the F, <laughs> are backup carers. So practically speaking, we needed to provide a support network. We need to show um, that we were surrounded by people who could help us. And backup carers in particular, we needed one or two who would be prepared to be DBS checked by the council and who could look after the foster child if and when need be, like if we were at um, training courses or meetings or called away for our boys, uh, any particular reason really. And obviously, we just we just arrived here like who do we know but you know thankfully God brought us to you guys <laughs> more about that in a minute and thirdly back to the F our financial circumstances um, we had to prove we could live without without the fostering income so that it wasn't considered our main motive 
Now, this was difficult. Um, how could we prove that when we had just moved to an area where our rent is now more than triple what it was in Coventry? <laughs> um, yeah, so all they could see on paper was that our outgoings were far above our income, and that actually made them uneasy. So how could we do all this? Well, we knew God. We know God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Um, so we had to cling on to that truth real hard whilst going through this process. And this is the part where God hugely stretched our faith. Each time we had to come before God with a greater expectancy that he would remove the obstacle or provide us with a solution to get through it. And he did not disappoint. We found ourselves able to give detailed examples of how we had befriended people of other faiths and cultures, um, particularly where Daniel had just started school, uh, well, nursery at the time, around the corner from where we lived, and I had met loads of other mums um, from a variety of uh, religious backgrounds and cultures, and they were wonderful, and I would befriended them, and I even got to ask them, could I put you on my fostering thing? Can I mention you? And they were well up for it. And it was just amazing how God brought them into our sphere, if you like, into our social sphere, and that we could, um, yeah, use that um, to help us. And secondly, um, it was here at a ladies' breakfast at the church when I was actually discussing being a foster carer with Michaela. And um, she pointed me in Naomi's path. (laughs) And Naomi's ended up being one of our foster um, backup carers, which has been amazing. And um, Christine, of course. Hello. Thank you. (laughs) We met Christine through uh, Life Group. And obviously, God has put these amazing people in our path at just the right time for us. Um, yeah, so that's the second one dealt with. And lastly, throughout the whole of our move and application process, we saw God financially provide for us in the most incredible ways. However, writing Jehovah Jireh on our form (laughs) saying the Lord provides wasn't an acceptable answer um, for the social workers. So um, we stated plainly, or we could, our figures that we had, that we had savings, that we could budget accordingly, that we could probably make it a few months um, realistically without the additional income. And somehow or other, thank you, Lord, they seemed happy with this. Even though when we were preparing to go to panel, they were like, well, they're going to grill you on this, they're going to grill you on this, they're going to, you know, bring this up. And did they? No, they didn't. Um, So that was incredible. That just showed us that, you know, God remained to be good and faithful. And finally, we made it through panel. We became registered foster carers June last year. Now, many of you know the next bit of the story. (laughs) Some of you remember Tamalora coming to join us uh, in August last year. Now, and many of you will remember both the trials and the triumphs of our first placement. She was with us for just over five weeks. And not only did we learn a lot through the hard times, but we did also see much joy too. And we got to um, plant seeds of faith in her as I prayed with her every night. And she loved coming to church and joining in kids' work. Um, So that was amazing. And then God gave us baby Eddie, whom I'm sure most of you remember. He was with us for nine gorgeous months, and we felt very honoured to have not just a positive placement in terms of enjoying him, but also the relationship we we managed to build with his parents and how they fought for him and acknowledged our role and that they've kept in touch with us, which has been incredible. People constantly ask me or tell me how hard it must have been to say goodbye to baby Eddie when the time came. But, you know, the truth is, 
Although I was sad, of course, to say goodbye to baby Eddie, the joy I got in returning him to his family and the peace God gave me in knowing that we had played such a vital role in his life made it not only bearable, but actually really positive and enjoyable. Um, So that was amazing. And obviously, for us, the story does not end here. This is just the first bit. We're looking to continue doing this, and we want to thank you all for the part that you've played in supporting us. And Stuart's going to introduce a bit more about Home for Good. Yes, so today is Adoption Sunday, which is something that Home for Good have put on. Um, In a minute, we're just going to watch a video that they've put out that explains a little bit about where their heart's at uh, and what's going on. it's, it is very challenging. I find it hard to, to watch the videos uh, to see the needs and to see um, uh, what's going on. But I, it's great also to see how God is moving to make that sort of thing, uh, to make a difference. I used to work with care leavers. I've seen children fall into some of these categories, become one of the statistics. But behind every number is a person, a person desperate to be loved and known. There was David. His address history read more like a novel than a short section on a form. He had 10 placement changes in nine years before the age of 17, including three different children's homes. That's 10 different sets of relationships, addresses and carers to get to know. He entered adulthood lacking skills and opportunities, let alone motivation. And there was Sarah, in and out of young offenders institutes and foster care, dropped out of school before the age of 16, desperately committed to an abusive boyfriend and the hope of drugs and money. She entered adulthood with no direction, anchored to a relationship which stopped her from fulfilling her potential. Over the years in that job, I noticed a consistent theme. The children whose earliest placement became a home for good had significantly better life outcomes than those children who had to constantly adapt to new relationships and environments. And that's why I'm so pleased to be working for Home for Good, because we can make a difference. The church can provide homes for good. But we're not promoting happily ever after. Things will still be tough. Loving each other requires us to dig deep to see the best in each other. And when love feels hard, we look to Jesus. The Bible says that God is love. And when his love transforms us from the inside out, we find ourselves better able to love others fully. It is amazing how powerful the simplicity of love, acceptance and belonging is to children who have never experienced it. Children are waiting. Could you stand with them and give them a hope and a future? Could you consider fostering or adoption? And would you stand with those you know who are already fostering and adopting? Could you ensure that they are more supported and welcome in your church? And would you stand with us? Home for Good needs money to carry on making a difference. We're a small charity with a massive vision. Could you help us to inspire and equip churches to champion the cause of looked after children and find more homes for good? Together, let's change the trajectory for children in care. Let's find homes for every child who needs one. As I said, it's quite hard to watch some of the the films. And there's some stats in there about uh, the outcomes uh, for children that are in care and uh, the, the, they're not good reading, obviously. Um, but there are other, other things to bear in mind. There's, there's currently 81,000 children in care in this country and that grows by about 80 a day. And there's already, at the moment, a shortage of about 5,900 foster placements, which means those, some of those children then uh, are in uh, care homes as opposed to a family home. 
And this figure um, is only going to really go, go up because many foster carers um, are getting close to the age of retirement. As, as Home for Good's vision, they see that the answer is, is through God. And it's, it's the church. If, if every church in the country just had one foster placement, then there would be no need for a care system in this country. And that, is, that would be amazing to see. And it's not just about the numbers. It, it's not just about um, having more foster placements. Okay, not all of us are called to do that. That's fine. Okay. But could you also maybe support foster carers? Could you babysit, uh, as Naomi and Christine do for us? Could you be a shoulder to lean on uh, emotionally as people uh, grapple with the difficulties of the children, uh, their situation? Or would you pray as well for the children? Would you pray, uh, we're going to do in a moment, uh, for the care system, for those that are looking after children, um, and for God to move and to, to reach out in his power? Just before we do that, uh, I do want to uh, give an option uh, for those that might want to respond to what Rob was talking about earlier. Um, that we... We reach out in love for these children because God first reached out in love for us. Okay? He first uh, met with us and adopted us into his family. And that, that is an invitation that he gives to all of us, to everyone. And that's amazing. So if, if you are there and you want to, to know what it's like to, to be uh, adopted into God's family, then um, do come and, and ask for us to pray with you, to come and uh, talk to you at the end. We'd absolutely love to do that. Um, it is amazing to go from, as Kate said, to, be, uh, to feel alone, to, to feel uh, the love of God, to be accepted, uh, to feel God's peace uh, over you as, um, as you realise that you know, you're in his control. He's, he's got you. He sees you. Uh, so do please come do that. Um, there's a, a film quote that I really like. Um, maybe this might speak to some of you that... Um, it's not from Annie or Oliver, sorry. It's, it's from a film called 10,000 BC. And it, uh, basically what it says is, that it's, it's like this. Uh, every, everyone draws a circle around themselves. And they'll care for whatever is in that circle. Now some people just draw a circle around themselves and they just look after themselves. Other people might draw that circle around their family or their, their friends or their village and they'll look after those and support them. And every now and then, once in a, uh, as the film says, 10,000 years, every now and then someone comes along and draws a circle around the whole world. And that was Jesus. He did that for us. But where do you want to draw your circles? Where do you want to say, this is my ground, this is who I care for, this is where I will pour out my love? We're just going to um, spend a few minutes now, if that's okay. We're gonna, I'd like to, to break up into some groups, uh, just three or four, just maybe the people around you. Uh, and we're going to spend some time praying uh, for uh, the, the, the fostering, um, for people in care. And so, uh, Claire, did you want to maybe start playing some music as well? Um, so feel free to, to, to stand uh, if you want uh, to pray, uh, to reach out to the people around you. Um,
The things I'd like you to pray for, if you can, is, as I said, um, first of all, just pray that God will move. Okay, God will reach out in his, in his hands because he sees all the children that need help that haven't yet been seen. Okay, pray for the children that are either uh, in care or um, are, need to be in care. And please pray for those that, um, that foster or for involved in social services, okay, who, um, that they might be able to pour out love on these kids. Thanks. Rob, do you want to...